I got to tell a funny story. I tell it many times when we sing that song. When I was a college student, back in right after Noah built the ark, I think, uh, something like that. Maybe did Moses build the ark? Maybe it was Noah, I think. And my my wife wasn't my wife yet, and we had just kind of started dating. And by just kind of started dating, I think maybe we had one date. We sat in chapel together, maybe. And uh, the interest was there uh, from both of us. And we had a ministry meeting on a Saturday morning. And a room about almost this size, a little, just a bit smaller, and uh, full of people. And uh, during that ministry meeting, my wife, then the girl that I had just started dating, uh, got up to sing a special before the preacher preached. And she sang that song. Now, I like that song. Uh, that's a great song. Uh, Dr. John R. Rice wrote that song. Phenomenal song. I really enjoyed the song. But my, the girl that I was interested in sang that song. So as soon as she was done singing, I said amen real loud. I was the only one that said amen in the whole room. And uh, I don't know if anybody else didn't like the song or they just, they just weren't as interested in her as I was. But uh, I love that song. Praise God. I love that verse 3, by the way. And we don't sing that one often. That's a wonderful verse. Turn your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Notice I didn't say amen real loud while Colton sang it. He's not as good looking as my wife. But uh, uh, Acts chapter 4. I mean, he's, you know, he's okay. Uh, but he just, I don't know, he just can't pull it off. Verse 23. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard that they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which hast made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Why did the heathen rage? And the people imagined vain things. The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against the holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word, by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that by signs and wonders may be done in the name of thy holy child Jesus." And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither said any of them that all of the things he had possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them, and brought the prices of the things that were sold, and laid them down at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made to every man according as he had need. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land sold it and brought money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for just the opportunity to be here tonight. Lord, how good it is to be back with my church family. How good it is to sing your praises, to fellowship with my brothers and sisters in Christ. 
Lord, to bring our needs to you, to hear praise reports, to see folks here that are such an encouragement to this pastor. Lord, I thank you for what you've done. I thank you for what you're going to do. And Lord, tonight I pray you'd help us as we examine your word regarding being a praying church. Lord, as we see prayer as the focus of this passage this evening, as we continue studying the book of Acts, Lord, as we see the gospel flame lit ablaze and traveling through Jerusalem and, Lord, eventually traveling around the world, Lord, as we see tonight prayer, as we focus on it, God, would you help us, help me, uh, Lord, to teach and preach and write your truth this evening. Uh, Lord, would your will be done in every heart and every life. In your precious name we pray. Amen. We're going to look tonight at some marks of a praying church. And I believe we're going to see tonight that the church at Jerusalem, uh, now the church at Jerusalem was a, it was a young church. It was a church with a lot of baby believers. A lot of folks that had just gotten saved. A lot of folks that just got baptized a week ago. Uh, a lot of folks that, you know, they had a lot of doctrine left to learn, and they were in the early stages of growth, but it was a church that already was marked uh, by prayer. And we're going to see that tonight. It's been said that there's only one real problem in local churches. And everyone says it's the pastor. That's the problem. Uh, no, uh, it's been said there's one real problem. Just, just one, really, if you narrow it down, and it's a prayer problem. Now, there are a lot of issues and a lot of problems that we see, but ultimately it's been said that if we would take care of the prayer problem, all of the other problems would pretty well take care of themselves. And we're going to see tonight just focus just for a little bit on this church uh, as we see uh, the church here in Jerusalem uh, and what, uh, what, God, uh, what God is doing uh, here uh, in this church. Uh, I want you to look with me. Uh, let's turn back. I want to see uh, verse 23. Let's start there again. And the Bible says, and, and being let go, they went to their own company and reported all the chief priests and elders had said unto them, I want you to notice here that we look last week and we see that what had happened, we see that they had seen that they'd been with Jesus, we see that they witnessed boldly for Christ, but after they were let go, they went back to the church. They went back to their brothers and sisters in Christ in Jerusalem. They gathered together, probably had a special service. They all came in. They testified of what happened. And I want you to notice the response of the church. In verse 24, And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God. Can I tell you here the, the, the knee-jerk reaction, the automatic reaction of this local church was to talk to God. It was to pray. I want to give you some thoughts tonight. Number one, in a praying church, there will be a recognition of the importance of prayer. And therefore, there is a spontaneous desire for prayer. Uh, no one had to say, okay, uh, now I think it'd probably be a good time for us to pray. The Bible says they just began to pray. They... I know many believers, and, and uh, many of you here I've been with, and uh, on several occasions I've had someone say to me, Pastor, why don't we pray? Hey, let, let's pray about that need. Hey, let, let's, let's pray right now. 
There's that spontaneous desire to get in touch with God, to get God involved, to realize the need that we have of prayer. It's the importance of prayer. Now, we do a horrible job of lifting up the importance of prayer when we say, I wish I could do more, but I'll pray. It sounds like prayer is nothing. It sounds like when we say that, prayer is a very little thing, when in reality, prayer is a powerful thing. When in reality, one of the greatest things that you can do for another human being is to pray for them. I was just looking through some text messages a week ago, and I was looking through some text messages from Brother Terry. Brother Terry's been in heaven now for a little over a year. I think it was about a week before Thanksgiving last year that he went to heaven. And I was looking through those, trying to remember how long it had been since he passed. And as I was scrolling through those, tears ran down my face. As I read some of those messages, hey, young man, I just prayed for you. I love the fact he called me young man. Uh, but man, what a, what a thing to get a message, hey, I just prayed for you. What a powerful thing. I've got some dear friends off and I get a message, hey, I prayed for you today. That's a powerful thing. And we see this local church, one of the signs of a praying church is a church that sees prayer as powerful, as important. And when that happens, there's that spontaneous prayer. Peter and John have been in prison. They've been beaten. I mean, all those things had happened. They've been released. And what happened wasn't they had a party. Now, they may have had one. I don't know. Uh, they didn't have a fellowship meeting. Maybe they had one of those later. I don't know. Uh, maybe they had Lachon, Brother Bonnie. I don't know. I, I hope they did. Uh, maybe they had a big feast. The Bible doesn't say. But the Bible does record as soon as they shared what happened, they prayed. Because prayer was the important thing. They saw that in verse 23. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all the chief priests and elders that said to them. They reported, and as I mentioned, verse 24, you know, verse 24 doesn't say, okay, let's have a meeting about how we can strike back at those religious people. Let's plan how we can go and burn down the, uh, the high priest's place. No. Let's go TP. Uh, throw some toilet paper over their house. No. Now, they may have thought those things because they're made of the same flesh you and I are made of. But they realized what they needed to do was pray. Uh, and question, do we have a spontaneous desire to pray? Do we just pray because we know we need to get to God? Number two, a praying church, in a praying church, faith looks towards the Lord. Faith looks to the Lord. Faith doesn't look to others in a praying church. Now, if we're not careful, we begin to put our faith in things we ought not put our faith in. We begin to put our faith in the tangible, and we begin to trust the things we can grab a hold of, and when those are gone, we lose our faith. But in a praying church, we look, our faith looks to Jesus Christ. Verse 24, when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. What did they do? They didn't say, oh, man, that high priest. They didn't think about him. They didn't think about the religious leaders. They looked to God. And they said, Lord, you made everything. 
And Lord, we're, we're just going to have to trust you. In a praying church here, they look toward the Lord Jesus Christ. They turn their eyes away from the world, from the problems, from the issues to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to read quickly a verse to you from the Psalms. In Psalm 62, in verse number 5, it says, My soul, wait thou only upon God. For my expectation is from him. In my house, we have a big white beast called Yeti. If we're eating, if we're in the living room eating, if I've got a plate of food, my wife has a plate of food, Hannah has a plate of food, and we start to eat, Brother Jeff, Yeti doesn't come and set up my feet because he knows me. Brother Bonnie, I, I don't give away food. You don't get this fat accidentally. I work at it. I eat everything on my plate. I was talking with the Dinsmore son. I was his size when I was 13. I, I talked to him a little bit today. He's going to be like 300 pounds when you see him next time. He's training. But I, I don't give away food. Sometimes Yeti comes and sets in Hannah's, but yeah, not much. You know, what, you know what Yeti does? He goes and sets right in front of Carrie. He just looks at her. You know Why? Because he knows Carrie will give him food. Carrie will feed him. If he sits there, Carrie will, I mean, she's going to give him something, guaranteed. She, he knows where to expect the food. Now, if Carrie's done, he might come and beg for me. He might go to Hannah. But when Carrie's got food, no, no, he knows. I go to, I'll go to Carrie. I'm going to expect something from her. Christian, where do we expect something from? Where do we go to and say, hey, I'm going to wait. and Hopefully it takes care of my problems. Is it others? No, we should help one another, but that's not where we should expect help. We should go to God. We should look to God and realize that everything comes from him. He's the meet, he meets every need. He has the power to do anything. Whatever problem faces us, God, <laughs> you're up. It's on you. I need you. In a praying church, if you are a person of prayer, you're going to learn to trust the Lord and to look to the Lord by faith, trusting him in everything. The eyes of a praying church is on the Lord. Now, now who is the Lord? Scripturally, doctrinally, uh, let me answer, let's answer it very quickly tonight from the word of God. Uh, he's the sovereign Lord. The sovereign Lord. Verse 24 and verse 28, it says in verse 24, according to the Lord, thou art God, which hath made heaven and earth. Verse 28, for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determine before to be done. They said, Lord, it's all on you. Whatever you want to do is good. Whatever your will is, we're going to trust you. By the way, our job in prayer is not to twist God's arm to get God to do something we want. That's what we think prayer is. We think prayer is us, ah, okay, okay, I'll do what you want. Prayer is us talking to God and saying, Lord, I want what you want. Years ago, Rebecca and I were at a restaurant somewhere. And over the years, we've eaten a lot of food together. As you can tell, she's eaten more food than me. Uh, but 
She made a statement before we went into the restaurant. She said, Dad, I'm going to order whatever you order. She said, I've learned my lesson. She said, we go somewhere, I order something, you order something, and you always order something better than I order. So I'm just, I've learned, I'm just going to, whatever Dad orders, I'm going to order that. By the way, if you're ever with me, that's a good idea. Uh, because you can always trust a fat guy when it comes to ordering food. But she said, I'm just going to order what you want. Because I know it's going to be better than when I, what I pick. Christian, a lot of spiritual truth in that statement. When we pray, we're asking God for what he wants. Because what God wants is better than what we want. And Jesus said, nevertheless, thy will be done. We see here looking to heaven, looking to the sovereign Lord. Number two, not only the sovereign Lord, but the self-revealing Lord. Verse 25 says, Who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? Verse 26 and 27 says, The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against the holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. God has spoken. He's spoken not only through the prophets, but through his word. And finally, and primarily the Bible says here, as they pray, they're saying, hey, you've spoken to us by your word, by your son. And they're remembering the son speaking to them as the self-revealing Lord. Number three, quickly we see the seeing Lord in verse 29. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. And grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. Can I tell you God sees all? You can't hide anything from him. Adam, imagine how ridiculous. He's got his, he's got his little plant, his fig leaf. He's hiding. He's, okay, God can't see me. He hears in the garden, Adam! And Adam's like, God saw him. God knew where he was. God sees all. God knows all. And by the way, he's the judge. He's the judge. We see here them calling out on the Lord who saw everything, who knew what happened, knowing that God would accomplish his will. Number three, and I've got to hurry here. In a praying church, there's an obedience to the Great Commission. And we see that there in verse 29. It says, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. Now, let me, let me tell you what this verse would say if you and I wrote it. If you and I lived this, this is what we would say. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants to have safety and protect us and keep us, keep us safe, Lord. That's what we pray. Or we pray, Lord, uh, would you, would you let the fleas of a thousand camels uh, inhabit the, uh, the bed of the high priest? Uh, would, you, would you bring boils like you brought allowed to come on Job, one of those religious leaders? God, would you judge them mightily? May lightning come out of the sky and burn them to death. But that's not what they prayed. What was their prayer? The Bible says, And grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. They didn't pray, please keep us safe. 
they didn't pray, you know, keep Peter and John protected. Now, they probably prayed for their protection at some point, but that wasn't the immediate prayer. The immediate prayer was in obedience to the Great Commission. Lord, help us to keep sharing your truth. Lord, keep that window. Give us a little windows of opportunity that we may keep punching holes in the darkness with the gospel. They prayed that God would help them to keep proclaiming the gospel. They didn't, by the way, they didn't say, Lord, please don't let them beat us again. Lord, please don't let them put us in prison again. They may have prayed that at some point. They didn't pray that here. They just said, Lord, give us boldness to stand again. When we go back, when we go back to town, Lord, would you give us boldness to stand and preach, even if it means that they're going to take us and put us in jail again. Even if they beat us again, God, give us the boldness. Why? Because they were obedient to the Great Commission. They were obedient to the Great Commission. They said, Lord, help us to get on with proclaiming the gospel. That's our job. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. We're to proclaim the gospel, preach the gospel to every creature. That's what they prayed. Well, I wish that would characterize us today. Praying church. A praying church. Number four. In a praying church, there is faith that demands miracles. When we pray, when we're asking God to do something, we're not asking man. If I ask John to loan me some money, we'll talk later about how much. Uh, I'm not going to go to John and say, hey, can you give me a million dollars? John would be like, um, no, <laughs> I don't have a million dollars. I can't give you. And I may go to John and say, hey, can you give me 20 bucks? Will you give me 20 bucks? You heard that, right? You've got to give me 20 bucks. Uh, ask him for 20 bucks. I, I, I think he probably has 20 bucks. I hope he does. If he doesn't, I'm, I'm a little worried about you guys. But I may ask him for 20 bucks because he may have 20 bucks. I'm not going to ask him for a million bucks. I know he doesn't have that. That's beyond his power. If we ask an individual for something, we can ask them for something to their ability. Back in March last year, Brother Dan was traveling through and he was here for a day and wanted to help, and he had a pickup truck. And I was talking to Colton. I was in the U.S. at a pastor's conference. I'm like, hey, can you guys go get some drywall, carry some drywall in the building? Now, they had that ability, and Colton slave drove Brother Dan, made him haul all that drywall, carry all that drywall, worked him half to death. But that was something Brother Dan could do. He was able to do that. Now, praise the Lord when we can help and we can minister and we can give of our capacity. And we ought to do that. But when we ask the Lord for something, we're not asking for something that we can fabricate. We're asking for something that is supernatural. And we see here that when they prayed, they believed and demanded, if you will, miracles. We realize that when we trust the Lord, verse 30, it says, By stretching forth thine hand to heal, thy signs and wonders may be done in the name of the holy child Jesus. They prayed and said, Lord, would you do what we can't do? Lord, would, would you make it so obvious that the answer to our prayer it could only be done by God? Christian, when's the last time we prayed believing God was able to do above and beyond all that we ask and think? They prayed believing God could do anything. We need to realize 
when we learn to pray that God is able, that doesn't mean we command God. You don't tell God what to do. God is not your genie in a lamp that you rub his bottle and say, okay, God, do this. But can I tell you, when we pray, we can pray believing because God is able. And God hears us if we ask according to his will. And we see here they prayed, they believed, they expected God to do something. Number five, in a praying church, the Holy Spirit manifests his presence and his power. Notice in verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. I want you to notice when they were filled with the Holy Ghost, what did they do? <laughs> they talked about the Word of God. Can I tell you, they didn't talk about the Holy Ghost. One of the litmus tests you can give to a lot of folks today and find out if they have right doctrine about the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, is what do they talk about? Can I tell you, those that would uh, follow uh, the wrong teaching of the Holy Spirit they focus on, guess what? The Holy Spirit. All they talk about, they don't talk about the Word of God. We see here that when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they spoke about the Word of God. They lifted up the Word of God. By the way, Jesus is the Word. The Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. They lifted up the Word. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. He the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in the life of a praying Christian, in the life of a praying church, is that the Word of God is lifted up. I talked to a family a few weeks ago. They gave me a call. They were here a few weeks ago to visit. And they called me and said, Pastor, we're looking for a church where the Word of God is preached. I said, we're going to a church, and they almost never use the Bible. Can I tell you, a church that doesn't use the Word of God and doesn't lift up the Word of God, number one, is not a biblical church. Number two, I can guarantee you it is a church where there is no prayer. Because the Holy Spirit lifts up and causes us to lift up the Word of God. And we see that that happened here in this early church. It happened, it happened on the day of Pentecost. It happened here again. We see here that the Word of God, uh, praise God, it went forth. It just lifted up and the Word of God was going out. Number six. In a praying church, there is mighty power in gospel preaching. In verse 31, the Bible says, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Verse 33, And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. What happened after they prayed? It says they gave great, uh, gave a witness of the resurrection with great power. They gave witness to the resurrection. They preached the gospel. The gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And their prayer led them to speak about Jesus, to speak the word of God, and to give testimony of the resurrection with power. With power. Brother Darren is back there running the sound tonight. And he has all these little sliders. And actually, he's having a nap right now. But he's got all kinds of little ways he can adjust the sound. Now, if he wanted to, he could take that slider and he could slide it. Wait. 
and you wouldn't be able to hear me. Now, he could have it just barely up. So maybe you thought he did it, didn't you? Uh, you he could have it just barely up where you could hear me. You could just love to hear me. But he could do the other thing and slide it all the way up before it cracked. My! Be screaming out. The Bible says with great power. The gospel went forth with power, not just a little bit. I don't know about you, but as a Christian, I want the gospel to go forth. I love the day's prayer request tonight, praying as he's trying to share his faith with his coworker. Man, I hope that's your prayer. I hope you have someone you're trying to share your faith with. We all ought to be sharing our faith with somebody. We ought to want folks to hear the gospel. We ought to want the world to hear the gospel. And we want the gospel to go forth powerfully, not just a little bit, not just a tiny little bit. We want it to be broadcast fully. And prayer, prayer was the key to the gospel going forth powerfully. By the way, prayer is the key to the powerful preaching. It's prayer. It's that connection with God we have on many of our microphones, this microphone right here, for instance, I won't touch it, Brother Darren, uh, has what's called phantom power. That sounds scary, doesn't it? Some kind of creatures inside of there. Uh, but phantom power. Uh, some of the microphones uh, use that phantom power, and they don't work unless the, there's extra amperage or power or, I don't know, magic, juju, something goes in there and comes back, and they have to have that extra power to work. And without it, they don't work. Can I tell you the power that we need to boost the gospel signal? The power we need to boost the preaching of the word of God is prayer. And it says, with great power, with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace, great grace, great grace was on them all. I believe there are many people saved here. I believe folks heard the preaching and, and, and people understood the need of salvation. The Bible doesn't record exactly what happened here, but I believe the gospel going forth, there's always a response. There's always a response. God always accomplishes his purpose. The Bible says his word will not return void. God has a purpose for his word going forth. And lastly, and i got a few points to share underneath of this one and we'll close in a praying church, and we see this in the last part of verse 33, there's much grace, much grace in the lives of the people, God's people. It says there in verse 33, and great grace was on them all. Can I tell you, grace here means Christ-likeness. We use the illustration of grace the acrostic, God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace is not something we do. Grace is something we receive from God. Grace is not something we deserve, yet we receive it from Him. The Bible says, for by grace, by grace are you saved through faith. Grace here in this instance is dealing with much Christ-likeness in the lives of those gathered here. Number one, notice the grace of unity in verse 32. And the multitude. Now, how many would agree a multitude is a lot of people? That's a lot, right? Like uh, a week and a half ago on Sunday for a Thanksgiving Sunday, that was a multitude of people. Uh, we were kind of full in here. 
a lot of people. We're talking about probably thousands. We know that not too long before when Peter preached that there were thousands saved. There was, they were added to the church daily such as should be saved after that. I'm just extrapolating here. Uh, there could have been as many as four or five or six or 7,000 people in, at this point in the church of Jerusalem. We're talking about a lot of people. That's a whole lot of people. We know God uses the word multitude. It's a lot of people. It says in verse 32, the multitude, no matter how many that is, if it's 200 or 7,000 or 10,000, it's a lot of people. And the multitude of them that believed, notice this, were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that all of the things which he had possessed was his own, but they had all things common. Can I tell you, we see the grace of unity here. That only comes in prayer. Having the same mind, the same heart, the same spirit, Having that unity is a grace of God that comes through prayer. This praying church had a heart that was knit together. They had one purpose. They had one goal. They went one, fo- they went one direction. They had a focus. They pulled together in the unity. Last week, I had the privilege of going and seeing my family and going as they honored my dad and his college football team. And I heard one of the, the men, one of the, one of the football players, he was a fullback, who spoke. He said, he said to those men that were gathered there, those men he played football with 50 years ago, that they played in the national championship game. He said, guys, he said, I think it was just a perfect storm that caused our team to, to do what we did. He said, just a bunch of farm kids just kind of gathered together, but we all started going the same direction. And we all had the same purpose. Can I tell you that God can do that in our hearts and our lives in a local church? And God brought unity. There was the grace of unity. Even in a great group of people, they had one mind, one heart, one spirit. We see that in verse 32. Not only was the grace of unity, but the grace of renunciation. Look here in verse 32. And the multitude of them that believe were one heart and one soul. Notice this. Neither said they any of them that ought of the things which he possessed with his own. In other words, they say, hey, that's the Lord's. I, I renounce ownership of everything. And I say, Lord, it's all yours. I, I, I give everything to you. Can I tell you that can happen through prayer? We can learn to trust the Lord. We can learn to say, hey, that's, this is not my home. This is the Lord's home. It's not my car. This is the Lord's car. Uh, this is not my bank account. That's the Lord's bank account. It's not my life. It's the Lord's life. Understand we learn to renounce our ownership so we can give ourselves over to him. That is a grace of God that comes through prayer. Number three, we see the grace of fellowship. The grace of fellowship. It says, Neither said any of them that all of the things he possessed was owned, but they all had things common. They had one heart, they had one soul. They fellowshiped together. They enjoyed being together. You know, too many of us, we, we want to bring schisms 
difficulties rather than coming together in fellowship. We want to bring dissonance rather than harmony and melody. And we see here that prayer brought the grace of fellowship. Prayer got, brought that grace of fellowship together. And how wonderful that we as believers can have the grace of fellowship to come together, people from different backgrounds, different cultures, but yet we can fellowship together. And lastly tonight, we see the grace of generosity. Look at verse 34. Neither was there among any of them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the price of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. We see the grace of generosity. The grace of generosity. And that comes through prayer. Great grace was on them all. It was God's grace. This praying church saw these graces. Saw the, they saw, if you will, uh, Christ-likeness in many different areas of their life. Christ-likeness was shown forth. When the world looked in and saw them, they would have said, well, they look like Jesus. One of the men Friday night at the reception I went to as I was walking with my dad, we walked up to a guy my dad played football with, and my dad shook his hand. And he said, boy, it's good to see you. And he said, this is my son, Brian. And the guy said, I can tell. I can tell. Christian, I wonder if the world, when they look at us and when they find out you're a Christian, I wonder if they say, yeah, I can tell. Or if they say, what? You're, what? I've been there. I've had people say, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, and I've gone, what? <laughs> I've been shocked. Why? Because they didn't resemble their father. We see the grace of God on them cause them to resemble their God. We see some marks here in this passage. We're going to come back here next week and look at a few more things in chapter 4. But this church was constituted of men and women who prayed. Not just people who said a few words, not just someone who prayed for salvation, but they prayed. They had a relationship of prayer. They talked with God. When I was in the States, for some reason, my phone acted up. I had data on the phone, but I couldn't make phone calls. I had a car that was the phone connected to it, and I would say to the car, Call Carrie Rice. And the car would say, Calling Carrie Rice. And the number would pop up on the screen. Bloop. And it wouldn't go through. So I threw, the, I threw my phone out the window of the mountains of West Virginia. I don't know where it's at. Uh, but it just, I, I couldn't communicate via calling. I still don't know what the problem was. But I was so used to being able to call, it was like, man, it's frustrating. I can't call. I wonder if God shut down the prayer line, your prayer line, for a day or two. I wonder how many of us would even notice. 
like if for, if for three days this week, you know, you couldn't pray. You got a busy signal with God. I wonder how many people on Sunday morning, somebody comes and says, hey, I tried to pray this week, three days, I couldn't get through to God. And we would say, oh yeah, yeah, me too. And many of us would go, I didn't know that. I had no idea. Why? Because we don't pray. But we see a praying church. And that praying church had power with God and grace with God, and God used them mightily. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that you would make us a praying people, a praying church. Lord, I pray we'd have those marks of distinction. Lord, I pray that we do our part to keep our communication open with you at all times. May we learn to trust you, to look to you for our needs. Lord, may we be obedient to the Great Commission. Lord, may we expect the supernatural in our prayer life. Lord, may we see your spirit manifested by your power. Lord, that we would lift up your word. Lord, I pray you give us mighty power as we proclaim the truth. And Lord, would you give us your grace to be like your son. Lord, I love the story of the gospel going forth as it began in Jerusalem and as it would begin to grow. And Lord, as eventually it would spill over into the regions beyond. Lord, not necessarily because of obedience of thy people. But Lord, I believe today that we need to spill over the gospel to the rest of the world. Lord, I believe that our city needs a praying church to lift up the word of God and to have great power in proclaiming the gospel that many be saved. Lord, I believe we need a praying church here that we can manifest your grace to show forth Jesus Christ to our lost world. Lord, bless us now. Lord, we thank you for what you've done in our hearts and our life. Lord, would you use your word and stir us and make us more like thy son. Bless us now. In your precious name we pray. Amen.